श्रीमद् भगवतम चैप्टर 79 फ्रॉम कैंटो 10 पार्ट फोर सो लास्ट टाइम वी हैड वी हैड कंप्लीटेड द किंग किलिंग ऑफ दंत वक्रा एंड रोम हर्षना सो दिस टाइम वी आर गोइंग टू डू अ चैप्टर व्हिच इज 79 लॉर्ड बलराम गोज ऑन पिलग्रिमेज नाउ लॉर्ड बलराम्स वे ऑफ looking at anything is though he knows his stupendous powers he knows who he is but he would rather not be in the place where there is a disturbance going on because as you imagine just imagine he is a very angry person he is the avatar of adishesh being a very angry person imagine if there is a skirmish going on between two parties he is not going to be silent is going to bash everybody up so the best thing for him to do is to remain as silent as possible the most important tool for any human being is also this if there is a warring party if there are two people fighting or if you are fighting okay there is some difficult situation there it is always better to keep quiet or to go away and sit in some place so that you don't get into any trouble it's not running away from that place what it means is you are trying to control your mind and controlling the mind is the basis it is the main thrust of spirituality see uh, if you have seen everywhere in all the spiritual in the whole world where spirituality is taught they will teach you you know silence they'll tell you peace of mind i want happiness i want you know simplicity and so on and so forth with some things which are not going to disturb you so what are we actually talking about we are talking about peace of mind so how do you get the peace of mind you either you go and sit in one place quietly um you better have a quiet place <laughs> if you don't i think most of the people think that their toilets are the quietest places <laughs> but it is the stinkiest of the place <laughs> so better not go in the toilet maybe you can go in a room where there is hardly any anybody coming to disturb you and uh, this in the initial stages of sadhana the sadhana anybody who is attempting sadhana the initial thing is to better have a place where you can meditate peacefully either you can be sitting in one place you are under incidentally uh, there is a techniques which uh, in spirituality we teach about how you can calm down your mind and so on and so forth or otherwise go on pilgrimages when you go on pilgrimages you are going to meet people of your kind only over there okay and when you go on pilgrimages actually one of the strangest things which happened when i went to places like haridwar and rishikesh was uh, i mean think about it if you are accustomed to eating idli dosa and vada sambar and all that i'm sorry it's the most difficult thing to get over there and peep somebody who is very innovative can actually start an idli dosa vada sambar place over there and they will make a lot of money <laughs> so there is a place in haridwar and rishikesh these places are very very 
you know, they are literally full chock-a-block. Because the tourists are coming from all over and now they are used to that idli dosa, so they go over there. <laughs> so coming back to these kind of places which are called holy places or places of pilgrimage. Now those who have gone to different different locations, uh, let us say for example, <coughs> the wall in Jerusalem. I know none of you have gone but you have heard about that place. You have heard about <coughs> various other places in this world where peace and quiet are there. There is a very beautiful Baha'i temple in Delhi. It's a must visit place. You should go anytime that you are in Delhi. It's a Baha'i temple. It is called the Lotus Temple. And next to it is the Hare Rama Hare Krishna Iskon Temple. Both the places are very very unique and very peaceful. You can go to the Baha'i temple and sit over there in peace, meditation. There is no noise over there. There are thousands of people coming in by the way. Okay. You have heard of the Blue Mosque. The Blue Mosque and uh, various other places like that. They are very very unique locations. You should go someday in life. You should definitely visit. So you get peace, pilgrimage. So we are talking about pilgrimage now. You can talk like this. No, no. So we are starting chapter 79. Lord Balrama goes on a pilgrimage. <coughs> Sukhdev Goswami said, Then on the new moon day, O king, a fierce and a frightening wind arose, scattering dust all about and spreading the smell of pus everywhere. So we are continuing with the last story which talks about the person called Romaharshana. So, next on the sacrificial arena came a downpour of abominable things sent by Balwala, after which the demon himself the demon himself appeared, trident in hand. The immense demon, resembling a mass of black carbon. His top knot and beard were like molten copper and his face had horrible fangs and furrowed eyebrows. Upon seeing him, Lord Balram thought of his club which tears to pieces his enemy's armies and his plough weapon which punishes the demons. Thus summoned, his two weapons appeared before him at once. With the tip of his plough, Lord Balram caught hold of the demon Balwala as he Flew, flew through the sky and with his club, the Lord angrily stuck that harasser of Brahmanas on his head. Balwala carried out, cried out in agony and fell to the ground. His forehead cracked open and gushing blood. He resembled a red mountain struck by a lightning bolt. So this is uh, one of the stories in where another demon has appeared and Balram is going to appear, he is going to kill the demon. The exalted sages honored Lord Rama with sincere prayers. Here Lord Rama means Balram. And awarded him infallible blessings. Then they performed his ritual bath just as the demigods had formerly bathed Indra when he killed Vritta. They gave Lord Balram a Vaijanti garland of unfading lotuses in which resided the goddess of fortune 
and they also gave him a set of divine garments and jewelry so after killing the demon he was honored he was given a bath and then he was put a garland then giving leave to the sages the lord went with a contingent of brahmanas to the kaushiki river where he bathed from there he went to the lake from which flows the river sharyu now sharyu is another river first one is the kaushiki river now he is going on his different different pilgrimages the lord followed the course of the sharyu until he came to prayag now prayag is another important location in india where the death ceremonies and all are performed where he bathed and then performed rituals to propitiate the demigods and the living beings next he went to the ashrama of pulaha rishi so along the river along the river are the different different ashramas now most of the ashramas in india are either in the mountains or they are near the rivers which are very very important or they are in places which are inaccessible to human beings now if you ask me why inaccessible to human beings because let, uh, when we started the satsang i told you you require peace and quiet you require tranquility you require a kind of an atmosphere where there is no disturbance of any kind think about it so where are the places like these these places are available either in the mountain sides near the river banks where there is hardly any population or you have to go to a place which is in the himalayas or some such type of a location now even places which are very much in the interiors of india you will find that there are monasteries you know you have definitely heard of the buddhist monasteries in such precarious locations which you which you know it's it's like literally like a many days trek so in northern part of the himalayan range you will find these kind of very beautiful monasteries the the hindu sages they live in completely secluded locations the monastery is like a it's a buddhist monastery where lots of people come now ashrama is a place where you have this kind of a peace and quiet so to have the peace and quiet you need a quiet location so so he went to the ashrama of kulaha rishi lord balram bathed in the gomati gandaki and vipasha rivers and also immersed himself in the sona he went to gaya where he worshiped his forefathers to the mouth of ganga where he performed purifying ablutions at mount mahindra he saw lord parshuram and offered him prayers and then he bathed in the seven branches of the godavari river and also in the river vena pampa bhimarthi then lord balram made lord skanda and visited shri shaila the abode of lord girisha in the southern province known as the dravid desh the supreme lord saw the venkata hill as well as the cities of kamakoshni and kanchi the exalted kaveri river and the most holy shri ranga where lord krishna had manifested himself from there he went to rishabha mountains where lord krishna also lives and to the southern mathura 
Then he came to Setuban, where the most grievous sins were destroyed. Now, can you imagine this entire stretch of India is getting covered? Let us see. Gomati, Gandaki and Vipasa. These are starting from Nepal. Today, in ancient times, the entire thing was called India only. I mean Bharatvarsh. India is a name given at a much later time. Okay, Hindustan is uh, after the Muslims came in, they called that this place Hindustan. There was no, there is no such word as Hindustan. So, this entire desh was there. So, starting from north. Now, there are rivers which are written over there. Now, Gomati, Gandaki, Vipasha. Every river has a unique identifying factor. It's like the river Gandaki is very, very famous for the remains of a very ancient creature. This is a more than millions of years old creature and that is that black stone that you get in the river. The river is mined for that stone by the way and yeah, it's an avatar of Vishnu that you find in that stone. If you open it, you will find that there is a Shankha inside. There's a different kind of a creature inside who has got, uh, you know, crushed after many years. It has become a fossilized person. So you can find it in Gandaki river. This is in North Nepal. And it's very famous for that. Then he comes down to Sona river. There is no Sona in Sona river. <laughs> the river is called Sona. Son river as we call it. Now in English translation is Sona. But it is Son. Towards Punjab side. And imagine if you are traversing across India. Now you are going to traverse across India this way, this way. So. Then he came to Gaya. Gaya is also like Prayag. It's another place where you visit for, you know, paying oblations to your forefathers. Then he came to the mouth of Ganga. Now, the beginning of Ganga is called Gomukha. And the end of Ganga is in the Bay of Bengal. The Bay of Bengal, where the Hooghly River, you know, where it ends and it goes. Now, again, there are various other places. Most of the places now are in Bangladesh. India has got very little, very small quantity of that space over there. So, the Ganga river ends over there. In current times, it is also in Bangladesh. Then he went to Lord, you know, Mount Mahendra. Mahendra is again in Nepal. So, Parshuram stays over there. And then he went to the seven branches of the Godavari river. Now, Godavari river is in Maharashtra, part in Gujarat, part in Andhra Pradesh. And it ends in the Bay of Bengal and the Godavari Basin is actually an estuary. It's not a, I don't know, I am sure, geography jisko yaad hai wo bolega. What is the difference between an estuary and a delta? Those who know delta, delta is a triangle like this and estuary is single line. So when the river straight, the river flow is so fast, it just flows into the ocean in one single shot. Because the, the river is very, 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 very harsh. It is so strong that it doesn't require anything to stop itself. And it doesn't have too much of soil which it is carrying from the mountains. 
Now, if you go to see Ganga and various other rivers in India, they end in a delta. Delta is because they are carrying a lot of soil. And the soil gets deposited and the river has become slow by the time it comes down. Now, those who have seen Ganga river at the beginning and those who have seen Ganga at the end, you will find in the end it has literally slowed down. You know, it's come from the mountains and then it forms a delta. So, Godavari river is an estuary. It goes straight into the ocean. It's a very, very harsh river. And also the river Vena, Pampa and Bhimarathi. Again, it's covering the central India, Maharashtra and all those places. Then Lord Balram met Lord Skanda. Lord Skanda's place again is in South India. Remember Lord Skanda is uh, given a location by Parshuram to stay in South India. In a portion where the entire region is called Parshuram Kshetra. So Skanda's place is in South. Uh, incidentally, you will find a lot of peacocks over there. You know why uh, Kartike Swami is having the peacock and that unique weapon of his. Yesterday, where we had gone into the jungles, we saw a very beautiful peacock in front of us. It was pouring. It was pouring, it was raining and the peacock was walking in front of us. Not pouring yesterday in the sense. Uh, the place where I went was fully in a cloud. And there we saw peacock and well, other other animals were not visible at that time. So, so there is this place which is uh, Skanda's place. Then Sri Salem. I'm sure you have heard of Sri Salem. Those who live in South India know Sri Salem where it is. Then that's the then then there is a place where Lord Girisha stays. Girisha means again Shivjis. There are lots of Shivlingas in South India. You have seen the entire portion of South India is full of Shivlingas everywhere. And then different different kinds of avatars of his. You will find that in Chidambaram he is a different kind and in some other place he is a different kind like that. So, then in the southern province known as the Dravid Desh. So, South India was called Dravid Desham. The North India was basically the Aryan um, people were there. The fair skinned with uh, different color eyes and their features were they were very tall people south the place is called Dravid Desh they, they were dark skinned and short and so their body structure was completely different so the two portions are completely different so it's a Dravid Desh the supreme lord saw the sacred Venkata hill I'm sure those who have gone to Tirupati know the place very well <laughs> Lord Venkateshwara lives in the seven hills over there somewhere. Huh? How many of you have actually been and traversed that path? Seven hills you have walked up. I have done it twice or thrice in my life. <coughs> it's a grueling climb by the way. Yeah, By the time you come up you are totally hungry. You want to eat something first. <laughs> and then in north you have to... When you go up the mountain you are supposed to be standing in a queue. For hours that stretch to get darshan. Lord Venkateshwara is a very busy man. So, but imagine during that time, <coughs> Balram must have gone straight away. Straight. Direct entry. <coughs> as well as cities like Kamakoshini. Now you know, uh, those who have again, South India, Kamakshi temple is there. In Kanjivaram. Huh? There is Kanjivaram, there is Rameshwaram. There are very beautiful places. 
so <coughs> kamakshi temple is there so kamakoshini and kanchi and the exalted river kaveri kaveri is in karnataka all right and the most holy sriranga sriranga patnam is imagine this book must have been written 5 6000 years ago sriranga patnam is also mentioned over here imagine venkateshwara is also mentioned over here sriranga patnam is also mentioned over here krishna's time this is during the time of sri krishna balram sri krishna and all those people were there at that time so you will find that this temples were very much in existence so these are very very ancient temples now <clears throat> sriranga is another place where lord krishna manifested himself from there he went to rishabha mountain where lord krishna also lives and to the southern mathura rishabha mountain is another mountain place and then mathura mathura is again in north india i am sure you know about it mathura is very close to delhi it's about i think 100 or kilometers from there so mathura is a place where he is born then he went to setu band where the most grievous sins were destroyed setu i'm sure you know that place also so lot of places visited by shri ram were again visited by balram there in the setu band which is rameshwaram uh, those who have gone to rameshwaram there is a very long bridge which you cross over and one of the most beautiful journeys of all times those who have visited rameshwaram can see below into the sea you will find that there are very big rock formations it is mentioned that the vanar sena has dropped those rocks over there so that sri sri ram can traverse from india to sri lanka so setu band setu the the bridge which he crossed band the place where it joins you know so there is an entire stretch of land which is you can traverse from one end to the other and go to sri lanka there at setu band rameshwaram lord haliyuddha haliyuddha is again balram gave the brahmanas 10000 cows in charity then he visited kritimala tamrapani river and the great malaya mountains in the lord in the in the malaya range lord balram found agatya rishi sitting in meditation after bowing down to the sage the lord offered him prayers and then he received blessings from him taking leave from agatya he proceeded to the shores of the southern ocean where he saw the goddess durga in the form of kanyakumari now kanyakumari let us see where he is going so again now all these places are 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 not in an order the way they are mentioned okay they are all mentioned in a different different order so he visited different different locations so he visited the different rivers over there then the malaya mountain the malaya mountains are in central east uh, india so he visited over there and then he came to a portion where agatya muni used to live this is uh, very close to i can say maharashtra eastern maharashtra northern andhra pradesh and nowadays it's called telangana and the central india which is towards uttar pradesh and madhya pradesh that particular region in the center that's the place so agatya muni ashrama was somewhere over there so he met agatya muni over there 
Bowing down to the sage, the Lord offered him prayers and then he took his blessings also. Now, Agatya Muni's ashram is also was there in central India. Then he proceeded to the shores of the southern coast. Now, when you proceed straight down, remember he has already gone to Rameshwaram. So, further down south, when you come to the tip of India, there you find Kanyakumari. Now, yes, those who have seen uh, what Chennai Express will say, Kanyakumari, yes. Very good. <laughs> Today we can only correlate to films. Sir, in ancient times, these places were very much there. And Kanyakumari was still called Kanyakumari because the Lord is Durga lived there. Today it is only a rock formation where people go to, you know, uh, Swami Vivekananda stood on, you know, sat on the rock and did his meditation. All that. So, next he went to Falgun Tirtha and bathed in the sacred Panchapshara Lake where Lord Vishnu has directly manifested himself. At this place he gave away another 10,000 cows. The Supreme Lord then travelled through the kingdom of Kerala and Trigartha. Kingdom of Kerala? Mentioned 5-6,000 years ago. Sure. Very nice. So Kerala was very much there. Now from north, that is starting from, I told you, from Saurashtra down up to Kerala is called Parshuram Shetra. Parshuram was worshipped even to the tip of Kerala today. You will find that there are certain locations where they say that is a Parshuram Shetra. So, Trigartha. Lord, visiting Lord Shiva's sacred city of Gokarna. Gokarna is very well known. It is very close north of Urupi and uh, Mangalore. Well, so he visited the sacred city of Gokarna where Lord <coughs> Drujati, that is Shiva, directly manifested himself and also visiting Goddess Parvati who dwells on an island. Lord Balram went to the holy district of Shurparaka and then bathed in the Tapi river, Payosni and Nirvindya rivers. <clears throat> then the end ended in entered the Dandaka forest and went to river Reva, along with the city of Mahishmati is found. There he bathed at Manutirth and finally returned to Pravasa. So he has taken an entire trip like this and from south he is going again northwards. He traverses the coastal region on the western coast of in India where he will find all these Kshetras are there, you know, Mangalore upwards and then he comes north. Again, there is a Nimisha and there is a particular Aranya over there. The central Maharashtra region is, is a very dense forest. So, coming up, then he goes towards Gujarat. And as he enters Gujarat, that is a place where he enters, finally comes to Prabhasa. Now, the Lord heard from some Brahmanas how all the kings involved in the battle between the Kurus and Pandavas have been killed. From this he concluded that the earth was now relieved by her of the burden. Now, all this entire tour he is taking while the war over there is going on. Remember he is one person who never participated in the Mahabharata because he doesn't want to be there. You should know that if he was there he would have destroyed the entire army. I <laughs> finished with the work. But the, the play of destiny is such that he was supposed to take this entire Tirtha Yatra. So he takes the entire Tirtha Yatra. And he has heard from people what had happened in the Kurukshetra battle. 
wanting to stop the club fight then raging between bhishma and duryodhana in the battle oh by the way he is just joining it <laughs> now very very shortly imagine you know on the on the radio or the television they say na now joining from here so and so huh? imagine we have the different link ups happening so now we have a final link up happening where uh, there is a battle going on between bhima and duryodhana on the battlefield and lord balram went to kurukshetra so finally after going to prabasa then he traverses across to kurukshetra when yudhishthir lord krishna arjuna and the twin brothers nakul and sahadev saw lord brahma balram they offered him respectful obeisance and said nothing thinking what has he come here to tell us <laughs> so, is the final stage of the battle everybody is dead by the way so only few people are remaining so he has come over there remember one of his greatest pupils is duryodhan as well as bhima both of them are his pupils but he was always very partial to <laughs> duryodhan on one side but he loved both of them equally lord balram found duryodhan and bhima with clubs in their hand each furiously striving for victory over the other as they encircled are about skillfully the lord addressed them as follows lord balram said king duryodhan and bhima listen you two warriors are equal in fighting prowess i know that one of you has the greater physical power while the other is better trained in technique so both of them have different different powers one of them knows exactly how things are to be done and the second one knows the technique so <clears throat> so in this case it is said that bhima was physically more powerful but duryodhana was in advanced technique so there are certain nations also nowadays you know some nations are powerful because of the might the number of people that they have and some nations are very powerful because they have tactical weapons and various kind of devices and they have yes 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 nuclear weapons and all that kind of stuff so yes there are these two kinds available so since you are so evenly matched in fighting prowess i do not see how either of you can win or lose this duel therefore please stop this useless battle and he is taken tirtha yatra everywhere so he has come and he said why oh, want to get into this kind of a battle can you both stop over here sukhdev goswami continued they did not accept lord balrama's request okay although it was logical for their mutual enmity was irrevocable each of them constantly remembered the insults and injuries he has suffered from the other now when the battle is going on between two people even if there is a mediator people are not willing to listen when a man is angry remember he only remembers the bad points he remembers all that has happened which is going to disturb the whole situation and make it very very complicated further a man never remembers the good part he forgets the entire good part and imagine one person is cursing the other person this person is cursing that person and both on both the sides are going to talk about what the other person has done bad or wrong isn't this the case when their divorce cases are being fought or two friends are having a fight or two people are in constant battle or you know even in our sas bahu serials 
the sas and the bahu is going on at it it's a very common phenomenon is there is no way in which one of them is going to see some good part of the other so here is a similar example where we'll find that bhima cannot see eye to eye to duryodhana and duryodhana cannot do the same because both are remembering what are the bad things that both have done to each other so remember duryodhan and dushyasan what they had done to their wives pandavas wives correct so they remember and naturally at that point in time the anger grows the anger is fueled by these kind of things you should know these are situations in life which are literally like you know they are giving an extra fuel gaslight dal rahe hain usme gaslight samajhta hai kerosene so the fire is burning already and you are putting something on top of it it's like putting uh, you know more fuel to it and that's what happens so both of them remember about each other's issues concluding that the battle was the arrangement of fate lord balram went to dwarka there he was greeted by ugrasen and his other relatives who were all delighted to see him now balram says what is the point in talking to these two guys both are good students of mine but both of them are not interested in listening to me so what am i to do so he just says okay i just will go away somewhere and he goes back to his place in dwarka dwarka grandfather is there ugrasen who is one who is ruling okay so he goes to that place and meets ugrasen and other relatives who are delighted to see him the lord balram returned to nemisharanya where the sages joyfully engaged him the embodiment of all sacrifices in performing various kind of vedic sacrifice lord balram was now retired from warfare balram had totally given up on his activities called warfare the all powerful lord balram bestowed upon the sages pure spiritual knowledge by which they could see the whole universe within and also see him pervading everything he is the half portion of krishna remember that he is the adishesh so knowing him to be an adishesh he is the person who can give spiritual knowledge to everybody so he imparts the knowledge to the sages over there after executing with his wife the avbharat ablutions he beautifully dressed and ornamented lord balram encircled by his immediate family and other relatives and friends looked at splendid as the moon surrounded by the effulgent rays so now another ceremony has been performed over there now you will find that all this is happening when he is meeting his grandfather over there actually not a grandfather though is a distant relation but still countless other pastimes were performed by marty balram the unlimited and immeasurable supreme lord whose mystic yoga maya power makes him appear to be a human being so all the activities of the unlimited lord balram are amazing anyone who regularly remembers them at dawn and dusk will become the very dear will become very dear to supreme personality of god at sri vishnu so we have come to the end of the chapter where balram has actually given up on all his activities he is not interested in battling he is not interested in killing anybody he is completely given up and he says even though i am a strong man and all that he doesn't want to be a part of any activity which is going to be detrimental to everybody so finally we are going to meet him somewhere in vibhasa uh, in prabhasa 
which is towards the end so now we are going to do chapter 80 we have about 20 minutes and this chapter is going to extend to 81 also tomorrow but i will introduce the chapter to you today because it's an important chapter it talks of a very very strange individual in the life of sri krishna and that person is called sudama sudama is there in every human being you know how sudama works in our life sudama is the person where now suppose you have 10 rupees and there is a very very needy person in front of you you don't want to give that 10 rupees to him also right the reason is because a person doesn't have a word in hindi i call it it's called danat danat is the willingness to give this willingness to give is not there in a lot of human beings they don't want to give and this is a tendency in most of the people now before i start the chapter i will give you a small satsang on two or maybe five minutes on what is this danat and why is it important to give now what is this danat i'm going to talk about a very important goddess in our life and she is called lakshmi i'm sure you when you hear of lakshmi you can only think about a very beautiful woman who is sitting on a lotus and who is opened her hands in benediction and she is giving money and so on and so forth she is assumed to be that kind of a goddess now in our world in today's world whether you believe it or not krishna keeps on coming every now and then he comes in various forms so he also has his entire retinue with him retinue means the number of people that are there they take various forms in this world they exist okay sometimes they don't understand who they are but the times that they understand who they are is a time which is very very important so now i would i would like you to think that there is one person x she is lakshmi now imagine this lakshmi is there on this planet earth she is a very mediocre or a very simple type of a woman or a person or a human being could be anybody now i am not restricting lakshmi to a female form i can say it could be a male it could be anything because it doesn't really matter just imagine it's a principle called wealth and money and so on and so forth lakshmi is represented by that think about it lakshmi now lakshmi says i am very poor i don't have anything to give what would happen do you think she is empowered enough to do that no now think about it she says to you okay i have little money maybe i can give you i have 1000 rupees i will give you 5 rupees or 10 rupees 
So she wants to keep that 990 rupees with herself and gives you 10 rupees. And then again she is trying to behave as if you know that oh my god it's like you know giving bhik to somebody. You know understand bhik as if giving in charity. This is the second part. Look at the third part where she says oh you want money. How much money do you want? So the person says can you give me 1 lakh rupees. Okay. 1 lakh rupees at 3% interest. Think about Lakshmi on one side and think about she charging interest. You think Lakshmi is supposed to be charging interest? What are you talking about? This woman or this individual is saying I am going to give you money but I am going to charge you interest. Or then the fourth thing. Oh you are from my side. You are my team fellow. I'll give you money. That other fellow? No. Can she make this kind of a distinction? That she is going to give only to his type? Okay. Manchester United. To either Ajana. To Baki Kasa Udar. <laughs> Nothing like that. You can't do that. So Lakshmi is expected to give everybody. Now do you think she is supposed to make any kind of a distinction? No. Then can Lakshmi say Oh. This is like, you know, you are asking me for, uh, say, about a million dollars. No, I have to see. Uh, I have about uh, 10 different, you know, uh, ventures that I am thinking of. I can give you only 100,000. I can give you 100,000 because I have a, a million with me. That is again thinking in terms of paucity of funds and then distributing them in a different manner. You can't expect Lakshmi to be doing that, can you? No. Now think about it like this. Who is Lakshmi? Lakshmi is a person, an individual or a goddess who is sitting on top of a treasury which never ends. Can you imagine a treasury which doesn't have a beginning or an end? Does she make any distinction when she does like this? When she gives it with her open hands? No, she doesn't make a distinction at all. She doesn't say, Oh, you, you are a Dravidian, I will not give you. You are an Aryan, okay, fine, I will give you. There's a big controversy going on with Leonardo DiCaprio, no? He's going to play a very important role. Okay? And everybody is wondering, how can he play an important role of a Sufi? Rumi, I don't know. Rumi was dark fellow and here uh, Leonardo is going to play him. So think about it. Imagine this kind of a distinction uh, Lakshmi makes. No, no, no. You are from my community. Okay. Lakshmi community. Okay. Lakshmi bank limited or something like that. No. The rest of you are not from my bank. You cannot be given. She can't do those kind of things. Though it's a humorous thing what I'm talking about may be a laughing matter. But imagine this is exactly how it is. Think, Lakshmi cannot make a distinction. So those who are the umps of Lakshmi should know one thing for sure. That when they are giving, they are a free-flowing thing. They have a free-flowing thing. Don't be like a Marwadi Taiwan Chingu's type of a person. No, I don't want to be. I'm sorry, Marwadi doesn't mean the community. What I mean is when people say, no, you are like this or you are like that. It very simply translates into that you need not be so very stingy. 
open your hands open your arms give to people so giving is a very important thing now we come to the second goddess she is known by the name saraswati now saraswati says to somebody oh you are from scheduled caste scheduled tribe okay fine 50% mein tumko admission milega what nonsense is this those who are truly deserving should be getting now again the amount of fees charged by institutions can you think about them you know they are rip off all the great institutions the top 100 institutions that are named in all those fantastic journals they are ripping off everybody if they are not directly ripping you off then at least they are ripping off all those people who sponsor them isn't it now think saraswati says अच्छा तुमको है ना साइकोलॉजी में कोर्स करने का है हंड्रेड थाउजेंड डॉलर्स दो मैनेजमेंट में करने का है बोला हाफ अ मिलियन डॉलर्स देना तो मैं तुमको है ना डिग्री देगा सरस्वती डूइंग लाइक दिस और टू सम पीपल शील से आई वॉन्ट गिव यू एनी नॉलेज इमेजिन सरस्वती डूइंग लाइक दिस आई डोंट वॉन्ट टू गिव यू एनी नॉलेज वॉट सरस्वती इज नॉलेज इज फ्री फ्लोइंग when saraswati is doing what she is supposed to do so those who represent knowledge the earlier one was about wealth and all those kind of things and this is about knowledge think about it tomorrow saraswati says to you oh knowledge tm i am having trademark on knowledge or knowledge r registration I I hold the intellectual rights of that. I'm not going to give you. You better pay for it. Saraswati doing those kind of things? No. Saraswati's knowledge is free for everybody. Anybody who is interested in knowledge should be given the freedom of getting the knowledge absolutely free. Saraswati needs to be so much like a mother. take my son take my daughter this is the knowledge this is for you so never never ever make this distinction of trying to tell the other person i won't give you whether it is knowledge or whether it is money or whatever in this world don't think these are petty minded things you know where everybody thinks now i am giving you all in this knowledge which is literally from ancient times and it's a most profound knowledge if i start telling you you know one class 100 dollars please put it in my bank account how will that sound or i will say meditation classes 50 dollars for half an hour what okay i am going to do chandogya yoga and then upanishad and this upanishad and that upanishad okay which one you want to do katha upanishad Five hundred dollars. Well, it's Chandogya Upanishad, two thousand dollars. It's is that how it is done? Think, if knowledge was supposed to be peddled, it's going to be stupid. So, if somebody comes to you for knowledge, please give that person freely. You are representing Saraswati. Saraswati doesn't charge and doesn't say I own intellectual rights on that. please so this is the thing which you should understand from this next story which i am going to tell you 
This is of Sudama. Sudama was acting very petty with Sri Krishna. He didn't want to give the food. So, those who read this Aicharitra and others, you will find that there is a mention that anybody who comes to your house at any given point in time, please offer them water and a little bit of food. You have to feed that person. So, it is about food, knowledge, money or whatever that you have which you are full of. You are the representation of that God or the Goddess. Why can you not give freely? When you give freely, you will get much more because that big tijori is behind you, no? You are representation of Lakshmi. Your money will flow. Remember this. If you are representing Saraswati, the money will flow. If you are representing food, I'm sorry, food is endless. Don't say, you know, that no, this is in less quantity. I don't want to give you so much. Somebody asking you for food, please pass on that food. It is important. So giving is a very, very important lesson in this. And giving it with wide open arms. Give. Give it like this. Don't say, oh no, I cannot give. So much only I will give. Don't. Don't do that. Remember, giving is a very, very important thing in life. So we will just begin this chapter. We may stop somewhere and I will do about few lines. So we will do this. Chapter 80. The Brahmana Sudama visits Lord Krishna in Dwaraka. King Parikshit said, My Lord, O Master, I wish to hear about the other Vailer's deeds performed by Supreme Personality of Godhead Mukunda, whose Vailer is unlimited. O Brahmana, how could anyone who knows the essence of life and is disgusted with endeavours for sense gratification give up transcendental topics of Lord Uttam Shloka after hearing them repeatedly? So again, you know in a day I think I do same book many times. Every book that I am doing, I may be doing it n number of times. But every time when I do the book, uh, when I do the satsanga, it's a wonderful experience not only for the listener or for the person who is reading it, but the entire number of people that are around over there because it increases their knowledge. Their spiritual gains are there. They are happening. So involve as many people as you can so that they will also get the spiritual wheel. It's very, very important. You should never be so stingy or so, you know, self-centered. When you give, when you give, you will get more. Please know this. So here, actual speech is that which describes the quality of the Lord. Real hands are those that work for Him. And a true mind is that which always remembers Him dwelling within everything moving and non-moving. And actual ears are those that listen to sanctifying topics about him. This is a very very important line. The speech that describes the quality of the Lord. Now you will say, I am busy doing work in my company. Where do I have time to think about the Lord and talk about his qualities? Or you will say, hands work? I am working for my company where I am supposed to be doing work. 
or you will say the mind in which will remember him dwelling with everything and moving not moving and non moving and the ears which are hearing the sanctifying topic and he is listening to that what makes you think that the lord is not there what is the importance of this line let me tell you whatever job that you are doing any kind of job that you are doing it is like a service to the lord remember this you may be even washing clothes or cleaning vessels or working in a company maybe you are doing some projects maybe you are working on some very fine arts you may be just you know writing examination or doing whatever can you not be there in that place thinking that it is a service that you are doing to the lord so lord service you are doing it you have to do it perfectly you have to see the god in it he says no remembering what is this mind when the true mind is that which always remember him dwelling in everything moving and non moving even if you are writing with a pen can you not write nicely why is it that you have to put cockroaches and all those you know centipedes over there when you are writing all kinds of you know creatures keep on coming over there instead of some good handwriting bad handwriting comes or when you are when you are doing something why is it that you cannot think very clearly and then write when you are typing uh, when you are doing your computers why is it that 20 times you have to erase it and do it right think the lord is there living in this moving and non moving things it's an it's literally like a prayer to the lord whether you are writing an essay whether you are writing poetry whether you are doing your job or doing whatever that you wish to put your heart and soul in it actually you put your heart and soul in it you will not make any mistakes you will not have to erase something you will not have to undo something you will not have to do something which is going to be detrimental to you it is like a prayer it's like a service to the lord and that is the most important thing it is sanctifying so see the lord in whatever that you do when you hear also you need not hear the bad stuff can you hear the good stuff you understand what i'm saying you see somebody is giving a a talk to you you know when you suppose you are pointed out certain mistakes now you have not made some food properly okay and there is a person who is an expert is telling you that there is something missing in your food are you supposed to be thinking mai khane ko de raha hai khane ke bajaye mera mera sab faults nikalte baitha hai no can you see the brighter spice side of it can you say yes there must be something missing in it can i go and rectify it i need not make the same mistake again rectifying yourself is very very important can you see the god in that not the devil in that can you see the brighter side of life not the evil side of life look at the brighter side when you see the brighter side you will understand the truth god lives in that so do something nice god is there in everything like i said so we need to see everything perfectly so even if you are a material worldly person actual speech is that which describes the qualities of lord 
So if you have to talk about somebody, praise that person. You need not go criticize. You need not say something bad. You need not try to pull a person down. Real hands are those that work for him. Whatever work you are doing, this is literally like you know you are samarpan to the Lord. You are doing His work. Think about it. If you are, you know, किसी के पैर दबा रहे हैं, okay? Why are you thinking that you know it's a chore? Can you not think these are the Lord's legs that you are holding them? Can you not think that this is something that you are doing? Then maybe you are teaching somebody, one person to another. Can you not consider that other person as the divine being that you are saying something to, and say only good words? So this is what we got to do. And the true mind is that which always remembers his dwelling within everything, moving and non-moving. See God in everything. Learn to see God in everything. Yes, there are certain things in this world like a tiger or a lion, and go don't go and pet it. Okay, ah, you will get into trouble. You have to stay away from that God. That God is meant for a different purpose. You are supposed to be meant for something else. And listening, actual listening, is to be done where the Lord's name is taken. That means something good is happening. That is a place. One more line, two more lines, and then I will stop. An actual head is one that bows down to the Lord in His manifestation among the moving and the non-moving creatures. Real eyes are those that see only the Lord, and actual limbs are those which regularly honor the water that is bathed the Lord's feet or those of His devotee. So, this is one more line I will do, and I will stop over here. Whom should you bow down your head to? You will say, Why should I bow down to anybody? Think the Lord is there in that person. There is no problem in saying sorry or feeling sad about certain things that you might have done wrong. Do you know? अगर sorry बोलने से कोई कोई छोटे बाप का बनता नहीं है समझ में आया हिंदी You do not belong to a, a lesser kind of a human being. Boss, if you say sorry, you are actually promoting yourself to the level of greatness. And please don't have ego in that. Oh, I am great. That's why I am saying sorry. Don't be that. That is ego. No, say sorry genuinely. See it from the bottom of the heart. So bowing down to everybody is very, very important. Be humble to every human being, because the Lord is there in the moving and the non-moving creatures. You have to be humble, even if it is your maid servant. You better be humble to her. Don't try to bully her or say something bad to her. Even if it's your employee, or even if it's your mother-in-law, father-in-law, whoever it might be. you don't have to be mean to anybody be nice and eyes that see the lord you should see god in everything and limbs that regularly honor the water that has bathed the lord's feet or those of a devotee and anything that is the limbs your limbs have to be worn out doing all kinds of good work only not kind of dirty work okay so this is the thing that i will stop at so we are going to end over here So today we have done Sudama visits Lord Krishna up to line number four. Tomorrow we will start line number five onwards. Okay, so we will stop over here. All right. So.